Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Episode of Undynamite. I am Alex, and I am going to be your only host tonight. So, as we are going to continue this series that I have tried to pick back up, and we're going to take a look at the music and worship styles now of the uh, church, and we are going to carry this on and uh, hopefully finish this series up before um, I don't know. The end of 2020, possibly, because, see, we have a tendency of dragging things out way longer than they should at Undying Light. But um, Paul and I have been faithful to get the five solos done, and we're rocking through Romans right now, uh, which, uh, as I record this, the newest episode dropped today uh, as we wrapped up two Romans chapter 2 and started Romans 3. So this episode potentially will probably air on a Friday I don't know what he's got in store in terms of a hermeneutics, but uh, yeah, we're just trying to get through the content that we have promised you guys and uh, make it happen. So we've got uh, quite a bit in store. We are really trying to um, just deliver on this. We are thinking about spending a lot of time in Romans, so that'll probably take up a good six or so months. And uh, in the meantime, we're going to have some special guests come on the show. We've got a few of them lined up. As a matter of fact, when we get to the modern uh, music episode, which probably will be right after this one, I'm going to have a special guest join me for that episode. And we're going to talk about modern uh, music and uh, modern Christian music and kind of the implications that it has uh, on the church today. So... um, we are going to just take this episode. I don't know uh, how long it's going to actually be and whether or not it's going to be, you know, 30 minutes, but I could probably walk and talk for 30 minutes. So uh, hopefully it will be edifying. Uh, I got a lot of good feedback from the historical one. So um, I'm very happy that you guys enjoyed that episode. Um, so I'm just going to take us through uh, some of the um, development now of music inside of the church. And we're going to look at some of the hymns 
and uh, some of the composers that kind of came out of this transition. And then we will look at some of their lyrics and kind of see how they were, you know, rooted in uh, scripture and how that they were always focused on God as their source of celebration. And if you hear some loud bangs in the background, that's probably my daughter throwing stuff around upstairs. So, uh, so as, uh, as we kick this episode off, um, we are, like I said, in the middle of the Romans and nothing, uh, great. I think in terms of sponsors right now, I think we're done with the logos. If I'm not mistaken, if not, you might still be able to get it. I haven't heard that they've turned off the link yet. So go and try that. If you still don't have your logos fundamentals downloaded, we will be having a giveaway, uh, coming up in the, when we get to Romans eight, I believe it is. So once we actually start in Romans four, um, I'm going to announce the the book that we're going to give away and some of the criteria around it. Uh, some of, one of our followers has been kind enough to uh, extend the uh, the offer to sponsor that giveaway. So that's really cool. And as we get closer to the end of the year, I do want to also note that Paul and I have been talking. We want to do a Christmas giveaway. Uh, so we will um, probably get something on the books here soon because we want to get something out to you guys before Christmas as a gift from Undying Light. And the last reminder I have before we start tackling this episode is if you are a uh, patron to uh, the Undying Light podcast, we are greatly indebted and just thank you deeply for helping make this ministry uh, continue moving forward because it costs money to obviously do this and uh, we want to um, ensure that we are giving you high quality, good content, and uh, obviously deliver what we have uh, set out to do at the beginning of this. So um, we have uh, decided that uh, we're going to give some shirts away to those individuals. So we are going to do a limited batch of shirt prints. They should be ready here shortly. I believe I was instructed this week we'll have them ready. So they could be in your guys' hands, hopefully before Thanksgiving. That would be really cool. Um, we are talking about doing a different print for uh, anybody else who actually just wants to buy a shirt with Undying Light on it. Um, we are going to do something a little bit different. We haven't decided yet on what that will be, but we're working on it. So that said, uh, make sure you uh, stay tuned to the Instagram page because that's where we drop most of our news and updates. So if you listen to this podcast and you don't follow that Instagram page, please go follow it and uh, make sure that you stay up on the content that we put out there. Uh, We do uh, drop some theological posts on there uh, pretty close to every day uh, in terms of, and then we also update the podcast when they become available to listen to and any other notes on that. So With that said, if you do happen to follow and you do enjoy this podcast and you haven't subscribed, please go subscribe to whatever platform you enjoy. And if you are able to leave us a a rating, give us however many stars you think we're worthy of, leave us some notes. We love to see your feedback. Some of your guys' comments have been hysterical. We absolutely love them. And uh, that's, you know, keeps Paul Paul and I, you know, 
working through all this is, is your guys' support. We absolutely love it. So make sure you guys do that for us, please. So what we're going to take a look at today is the traditional hymns and kind of the history. We're not going to get too deep into it um, because, again, there's an exhaustive amount of history that really goes into uh, the music and, and worship. Um, Paul and I have talked that we might actually do, after we do Romans, we might do a, a deeper dive into church history. Um, so that would probably fall into that line as well. So what we discussed on the last episode was mainly around, you know, the kind of the overarching history of it uh, and how worship was used in terms of music and things like that. So in the early church, generally they would um, sing the Psalms or cite them responsibly. Um, some churches uh, would sing the Lord's Prayer. Uh, yeah, most of the time this was all done without instruments. Uh, in the Catholic Church, they would sometimes use like a brass instrument to announce the beginning of the service, um, but that's not really what we're looking at here. Um, instruments don't really come big into the church until really right around uh, the Renaissance period, if I'm not mistaken. So um, right as we get into the Reformation and that starts to pick up wind, um, and we see the transition out of the medieval times. Um, that's when we start seeing instruments um, kind of make their debut. And that's when we start to see a lot of the historical hymns that everybody knows and loves uh, kind of start to be written and be sung in these churches. Now, uh, obviously there's the differences between the Reformers, their churches, and the Catholic Church. I'm not going to get into the Catholic uh, because we are obviously not a Catholic podcast. So I'm not going to even really discuss them other than the fact that uh, if it was something that the Reformers did, the Council of Trent tried to basically say it was um, heresy. So, <laughs> you know, they, they really tried to take their mark to the absolute extreme. So as we look, uh, we start to see you know, people like Luther and his um, works that he did wrote uh, a really good hymn called A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Uh, we start to see those come, uh, kind of come into play in terms of music. Uh, he wrote that approximately 1528, so, you know, well after the nailing of the thesis and some of the... Uh, um, uh, councils that he was uh, summoned to. Uh, so during the Reformation, we start to see kind of that cultivation of music start to become relevant uh, as they start to kind of add more data, if you would use that word. Um, but, you know, they try to, they really started to exp um, focus and make God the focal point of their worship. So they, they added, you know, more prayers, they added the music. And, uh, and then through that, we start to see the hymns uh, become written. And we see a huge uh, explosion of that in the 17 and 1800s, uh, as a lot of the hymns that we know today, and absolutely, I love a lot of these that we're going to, I'm going to kind of go through this list, and I'm going to sing some of their, I'm not going to sing, you don't want me to sing, I'm going to say some of their lyrics, and uh, we'll kind of 
evaluate them and just really relish on their importance. Now, that doesn't mean all the great hymns were written in that time period, uh, because there were some that were written, you know, even as early uh, as 2000, 2001. There's a couple of good songs that were written in that time period. Um, and there's even some that were written long before the 17 and 1800s. Uh, here's one for instance, uh, Be Thou My Vision. It was written approximately in the 6th century AD. Um, and uh, I am going to absolutely butcher this person's name, attributed to Denali or Denal, Nalan Forgill. So see, I um, absolutely butchered that. And uh, looks like a, an Irish monk. So uh, he was a 6th century Irish monk who ministered in the wake of Patrick's uh, evangelism and church planning. So, so we do see some hymns and songs that were written, you know, pre that and post that time period. But this is those couple hundred years is really when the big, um, you know, the big explosion happened because we start, like I said, we start to see instruments be incorporated into church service. So, as we uh, start to look, you know, you can Google any list out there and just pull, you know, the top. Um, 10 or 20 hymns written and everybody's going to have a different list. They're all going to kind of put them uh, at different ratings. Uh, you know, and, and everybody's taste is different. Um, one issue uh, I do want to mention before I kind of get into this is there's some that are uh, really songs that have made huge impacts on people. For instance, uh, It Is Well by Horatio Spatford. Um, a lot of people uh, are really kind of leery on that hymn. They don't like it because Horatio uh, was a heretic and he had a lot of terrible beliefs. Some people look past that and will still sing it. Um, Nick had a, a debate actually on that. Um, so he's probably a little more educated in terms of that particular hymn than I am. So... If you love that song and you want to know more about it, uh, feel free to DM me and I will see if I can't get his, if he's got notes on it still, um, and we can uh, go about that. Because it's a song that's just, you know, there's a few of these out there that are questionable, because, but, you know, here's the thing. Um, a lot of these people had issues. You know, John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, uh, uh, owned slaves, and that seemed to be, a, that was a big deal for a lot of people that uh, he was a slave owner and and really when we look at uh, the backstory to John Newton what we get is kind of a you know a, an interesting kind of series of events so John owned slaves he was a slave trafficker and um, he uh, encountered a storm and his uh, ship had a hole and and decided and he cries out to God to save him and according to him the cargo shifts on the boat and kind of blocks the hole so it keeps the ship from sinking and that's what he would mark as kind of his moment but we don't see the evidence for his conversion you know it's more of a slowly progressive uh, but he ends up leaving the slave trade and writes Amazing Grace as a reflection. He even has a uh, 
pamphlet that he published 35 years after, <clears throat> excuse me, Leaving the Slave Trade is uh, titled Thoughts Upon the Slave Trade. And so, and about 10 years before that was published is when Amazing Grace was written. And, you know, most people know the opening lines, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was once lost, but now I am found. Twas blind, but now I see. And he goes on to talk about grace um, that taught his heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. You know, and this is a reflection upon that moment that he came to know God. And obviously we see that uh, progression change over time, you know, develop as God gives him, um, you know, kind of opens his eyes even more to him. So when we look at a song like this, it's deeply rooted in one man's experience with the Almighty God. And, you know, the wording in here is, is in line with the Bible that saved a wretch like me. And the, the, the unfortunate side is, is some modern trans, uh, quote unquote updates to Amazing Grace have removed uh, the word wretch and have either put in like saved a sinner, which is okay. Um, I've seen some that are saved a person like me, uh, but they completely remove the actual um, power behind the, the song because now it's just, you know, a, another song that's talking about uh, some guy's transformation or just uh, another, you know, song that's kind of hitting the mainstream. But uh, Amazing Grace has got a really good story and John Newton's kind of progression from being a slave owner to uh, releasing probably one of the most popular hymns of all time uh, is quite interesting. So I encourage you to, uh, to go in and look it up and uh, do, your, do a little research. Uh, but I mean, it's just, it's interesting. This man was a slave trader, a blasphemer blasphemer a rebel an immoral man i mean really it almost sounds like paul the apostle before his conversion on the road to damascus you know and it just goes to show that god can truly take anybody even the worst of us transform our heart and put our eyes solely on christ and you know i read this this list here in my as i'm looking at my screen and looking at my notes i i had a I preached a sermon Sunday on uh, the Beatitudes. And I'm going to side note this really quick because this kind of hit me just now. But I preached on the Beatitudes, and uh, my introduction was kind of centered on what attributes do you look for in a, uh, that you would want your kids to look for in a spouse as they grow older. And I made the note that, you know, my wife and I have been married for 12 and a half years. We are high school sweethearts. And, um, you know, it, it, I was just having this conversation with my father-in-law, too, in, in conjunction with this. But when I first got married, I, I, was, I was trash. I was not a good husband. I was not a good person. I was far from Christ. And this world, and no matter how much this world tries to change us into being better, if you would, um, no matter the amount of drugs, whether they're good, you know, trying to be helpful or 
uh, no matter how much psych uh, psychiatrist time we have, you know, and talking to another person, you know, they'll never make us better. We'll always still be in that sinful nature. And it is only the grace of God that can pull a man like John Newton or Paul the Apostle or myself to be solely committed to abiding in Christ. And, and I just find it interesting as I was looking at, you know, some of the descriptive terms to them. Uh, so as we move on, you know, there's, um, again, this list is, there's tons of them out there. I mean, there's, um, I'm, I, and honestly, this is really just my preference. Um, you know, I, every, I've had people DM me asking me what, what are my favorite hymns? And, you know, uh, I love amazing grace. Uh, holy, 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 how great thou art. A mighty fortress is our God. Um, be thou vision. All creatures of our King and God. Uh, probably my top couple, great is thy faithfulness. That'll bring a tear to my eye. Um, just kind of looking through what I had on my list here. Uh, I think there was a couple um, that were a little bit more, or there was one that was a newer one. And in Christ Alone, I think is the title. Let me make sure. Yeah, in Christ Alone, that came out in two thousand and one. So um, that one's pretty good too. But uh, so when we look at these lyrics, so like I have the lyrics for A Mighty Fortress is Our God um, on my screen. So Luther wrote this um, as he was, you know, like I had mentioned earlier, and some of these lyrics, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. And Luther goes on uh, with just this beautiful hymn and, and, and to glorify God. And here, you know, I like this line. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fall him. I mean, that just, that just is just beautiful. I and mean, you don't see that in, in a lot of modern music these days. This type of writing, this, I mean, the one thing that I feel like a lot of these ain't, these traditional uh, hymns have in place is have in common is that the writers poured out their heart into this to glorify God. It wasn't to be popular or to be the next top 50 song or to make a million dollars. These people were pouring out their heart in worship and an adoration of God, the father, Christ, the son and the Holy spirit. And we, we see that if you just take some time and Google through these lyrics and, um, it just, it leaves me, it leaves me speechless when I listen to some of these and uh, I've got plenty of hymns 
you know, on my on my playlist that I will listen to from time to time. Um, and it just is like, it, it just brings you right into a point of tears. And that's why I can't listen to them all the time because uh, when I get into that like mode of worship, like it is just, it is something that just really gets gets down to my heart and gets me to the core. And we just we just don't see a lot of that, unfortunately, in some of the newer music, which we're going to cover uh, on the next episode. So I don't want to spoil that because that I think is going to be my most controversial episode that I do in this series. And I'm shocked because I didn't get any hate from when I was going through the book series. Uh, nobody was, everybody actually seemed to like those when I was, um, when we tackled uh, the burning shack and and uh, Jesus is calling and all those others. So <laughs> yeah, this the this and the Christian worship, the history and now the the hymns are going to be um, <laughs> kind of the butter before we get into the into the really tough stuff because. Um, I'm going to probably take a couple of episodes and we're going to dice through a lot of that um, kind of muck that's out there. But, you know, I, I made a comment to my wife a long time ago before I became reformed and really before I became like, uh, you know, a follower of Christ, you know, before I was born again. I said uh, I was kind of playing the lukewarm Christian. I was that guy who knew better. And uh, I said, I don't, I don't really care for the old hymns. I think they're, I think they're outdated and, and, and they're just, I just, I don't like them. I don't like singing them. I feel like, and you know, and I think a lot of it came from kind of the, the imagery that I had from church when I went is uh, cold and uh dead if you would and then when i became born again i started to become you know following christ and he started to open my eyes to the beauty of these and you know even in those churches that i go to now where the it's the hymns are a little bit you know like the people don't have that uh, excitement in them uh to you know really praise I still feel the my heart being pulled because of the lyrics. And then I realized how foolish I was for saying that these were, you know, we didn't need these anymore. And oh, how wrong I was. And uh, one of my goals in uh, the coming months is actually to invest in a good hymn uh, book because I really want a book that has all the hymns in it uh, and, and and just to have something to you know look through and, and to really kind of relish and cherish um, and I would advise anybody who loves the old hymns to get your hands on one uh, I haven't I haven't investigated it so I don't know how much they cost if they're expensive or not I'm sure they're probably relatively um, affordable so and again you can get on YouTube and Spotify or iTunes and listen to pretty much any song you want from uh, from about any time period nowadays, which is amazing. But I feel like our modern church is doing a massive disservice to the to to you know 
to our roots, uh, if you would, and by replacing some of the greatest songs ever written with a modern twist. And a lot of it comes down to this idea that we need more people, or you know, we need to get more people engaged. We need to get more people to come. And the target is, well, young people love, you know, what's hip today in the culture. So we're going to make our music what's popular. And we're going to make it sound like what's popular. And you're not doing any service to people who are coming in off the streets. You're not doing any service to uh, the new Christian or even the lukewarm Christian that sits in your service every Sunday. And that's why when we start to replace some of these great traditional hymns with some of these newer ones, I'm not saying that all the new ones are bad because there are some good new ones. I, I will, you know, I'm going to go out. I will say that there are, there are some good ones, but let's say this, if we are replacing, you know, how great thou art or great is thy faithfulness, praise the Lord almighty our mighty fortresses are God. If we are replacing those with Bethel and Hillsong and, you know, the, uh, there's Jesus Culture, I think is another one. Or Lauren Daigle, that's going to be a fun one for you guys. You're, you're, we're, we're removing the power of God from our music and we're replacing it with secularized garbage. And so... I am a huge proponent for traditional music. And by traditional, I mean, you know, what really came out of the Reformation. Uh, I'm a huge proponent for singing psalms, for singing the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I think that should be what our churches do. I think, you know, the Reformers had it right when they started to put an emphasis on a, wor you know, a worship style to really cultivate that aspect of, of their service is to put emphasis on singing and praising God the Almighty. And I am just, I'm, breaks my heart when I go into churches today and I just don't see that, you know, still evident. Not to say that all churches are, are, are there, but there's a lot that are like that. So, I hope, uh, I, I, I hope I didn't, you know, make this too high level. Um, I would be more than happy to carry on and have a discussion with people on hymns and, and discuss them. Um, you know, I come out of a conservative Lutheran background, so we sing, you know, from the from the a, a green hymnal every week, and. Uh, <clears throat> that's what I, you know, that's what I grew up in. And that's what I would, that's what I was telling my wife a while, way back when was, you know, we don't need these, these hymns anymore. If, you know, if I'm ever, you know, if I ever had a say in it, we'd be, you know, singing new stuff. And <laughs> it was, oh man, if I could just go back in time and, and, and punch myself in the face, I would do that because that was a terrible thing to say. But... You know, I, like I said, I, I look at these and I just I see the power of God being written through the writers of this, and you know, and, and but 
we also have to understand that most of these writers, actually not most, but all of these people who wrote these songs were sinners and they all have a past. They all have baggage. They all had issues. Um, and, uh, and so we, we, I don't want to say we can't hold it against them in their music, but I think with anything, we should always put everything under the, the scope of is this honoring God or not? And we should always put the composer um, under the scope as well as did they know Christ the Lord as their Savior? And uh, I'll leave it at that because uh, we can get into some interesting waters. As I mentioned early on with uh, the Horatio Spafford uh, debacle that seems to be going on on Instagram amongst a few people. So, ladies and gentlemen, I hope uh, you guys enjoyed this episode. Like I said, the next couple are we're going to just, we're going to go in and we're going to tackle the modern music. Uh, I'm going to have a guest maybe on one or two. Maybe we'll just do one big long episode. I haven't decided yet. So, because um, these are coming as I can record them. So we are going to take a look at that. And then we're going to look at how um, church services today differ from modern. And then we're going to start looking at sermons today from modern or from uh, the traditional. So because uh, that's how we're kind of we're, we're, we're taking this series as we're looking at the um, the old to the new. And how does the new compare to the old and the traditional? So that is all I've got. I have to go take uh, my class here in a little bit. So I am going to end this here in a second and let you guys enjoy the rest of your day. So if you are following us on Instagram, thank you. If not, make sure you give us a follow so you can keep up to date on the news if you have any questions, I am reformed underscore lifestyle. And now Paul is no longer the reformed wretch. He is redeemed dot air. So you can find him there or just DM me and I can show you, send you his uh, profile if you have questions. And uh, that's it, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. So I appreciate you listening and we will check you out when we probably get to Romans. I think that's going to be the next episode, Romans 3, and then I could potentially be back with some modern uh, worship music. So, pretty quick. So, because I want to get this wrapped up. I've been dragging my feet on it too long, and you guys deserve it, and it is all because we love you, and all the glory goes to God. God bless. Have a great week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.